the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. So let's read Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 together, shall we? I'll read out loud and you read silently. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. I can see the promised land, though there's pain within the plan. There is victory in the end. Your love is my battle cry, the answer for all my life. Every dragon will fall, the mountains will move. Every chain of the past you've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible with you Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast With Keith Crosby Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. What an amazing blessing it is for us that you have joined us today for the program. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's edition of Grace to Live, we are celebrating the most wonderful time of the year, as Pastor Keith brings us a series of Christmas messages. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Isaiah Chapter 9. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Father, we thank you that we can gather in this building, this meeting house, as we, your church, worship you. We know that a church isn't a building, it's a people uh, redeemed by the Savior. And so, Lord, we just gather today to worship you and the beauty of your holiness Grant me utterance, Father, that I would speak with clarity. Grant the people focus and attention that they would understand and apply as we look into the Word of God, as we reconsider, we rethink Christmas, and as we start with this first message today about the incarnation. The title says it all. We pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's message is about the incarnation. The titles say it all. It is Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. So if you have your Bible, you might want to turn there. There's some Bibles in the pews in front of you or under the seats or whatever. And also it will be projected up there as well. Now, some of, you, some of you already know this about me. I converted to Christianity late in life around the age of 29. So I've been a Christian for about 30, 30 almost 34 years. Uh, but from 1979 to 1999, I was in the business world. And in the business world, particularly in my stream of the business world, where we bought, built, and sold hotels and resorts 
in the United States and later abroad, you met all kinds of people from all kinds of places. And a lot of time, you know, even if you were a front desk clerk in one of our resorts somewhere, when you checked people in, you had, and, and this is the old days before the internet and all those good things, right? You had registration cards. And so you might have a senator check in and it would say senator so-and-so, or you might have somebody check in doctor so-and-so, or you might have, you know, whatever it was. And then at times too, I would be meeting with executives from different parts of the country and around the world, and you'd get their business card, you know, and you would no, this is a CEO, or this is a senior vice president, or this is the principal consultant in this organization. And then you would wait to meet the person because you looked at this card, and we were like, wow, you know. And sometimes they'd come in and you'd go, really? <laughs> really? You know? But then you knew from the card, from the card that they didn't get, you know, that they were who they were and that looks could be deceiving. The only time anybody ever lived up to their business card. I met the commandant of the Marine Corps one time years ago. He was 78 then, retired, General Barrow. And when he walked in the room, you knew exactly who he was. You know, he was stiff as a board and he looked just like General Barrow, commandant of the Marine Corps. So a lot of times you'd use their credentials to size them up. But when you think about the coming of the Savior at Christmas a baby born in a manger, really in a feed trough. You know, we say manger, that sounds so good. You know, it sounds kind of sterile, it sounds kind of safe. It was a feed trough. And he wasn't born in a nice barn and everything. You know, there was, you know, he might, it might have been a cave, it might have been a lean-to. It wasn't as pretty as many of the crutches that we see. And then, you know, he, the, the, the announcement to the, the angels made to the shepherds and everything, and then you come in and there's this baby lying in a manger. And sometimes you might be inclined to ask, what's all the excitement about? Well, we're going to talk about this over the next few weeks with John O and Jesse and I uh, sharing with you and encouraging you and challenging you to th- rethink Christmas. And we'll be asking and answering the question, what is the big deal? And not to mix metaphors, I know it's FIFA and soccer, but you know, I'm at bat first, so we'll keep the, you know, we'll keep the metaphors to U.S. sports for now, particularly given the recent outcomes in the World Cup. But be sure and open your Bibles to Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. We're going to deal with a very big deal, uh, the incarnation of Christ, God taking human form and coming to earth. And we're going to talk about why it's a big deal. Now, in looking at this, this is a very controversial passage, particularly in the 21st century, because there's a lot of debate about Jesus being born in a manger. When you look at Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, if you're a student of the Bible, if you have a passing familiarity with the Bible, you know that they're talking about two future events. In Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, they're talking about the first and the second coming of Jesus. And when it comes to Jesus Christ and who he is, there's so much debate today, so much controversy. Some would have you believe that he's just a myth made up. But even an honest atheist historian knows that he was a literal historical figure. Then today we have in in the dead mainline Protestant denominations and seminaries the quest for the historical Jesus, where scholars try to separate the Jesus of the Bible from the Jesus of history. And the irony about that is this. The only way they know about Jesus is through the Bible. So you can't, they're one and the same. You can't separate them. The problem with that 
enterprises, Jesus can only be known through the Bible. The Gospels are the historical record. And the historical Jesus and the biblical Jesus are one. Modern Judaism and all of its flavors, orthodox, conservative, and reformed, may grant Jesus the status of a prophet or a good teacher. Islam, with all of its different flavors, you know, Sufi, Shi'i, Sunni, uh, they would say he's a prophet. Uh, and even liberal or progressive Christianity might grant him the status of a great teacher. But even a casual reading of our text today tells you none of those iterations, none of those descriptions work. And that's why Jesus asked his disciples often, who do you say that I am? It's a decision that every human being in this room, those who are born-again Christians and those who are not, every human being in the world needs to ask an answer. And so today, we're going to look at this. We're going to look at the incarnation and understand that when you look at the incarnation, you want to know who Jesus is, the titles given him in, the, in this passage say it all. What I'm going to do today for the sake of clarity is to organize this talk around five of the titles that are shown in this passage. One is wonderful. I know in many English Bibles it says wonderful counselor, but other translations say wonderful, separate word, counselor. So bear with me on that. Wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And we're going to look at this and say, what does this all add up to? When you aggregate all these titles, when you pile them up and stack them up, what do you learn about this unimpressive child born in this unimpressive manger in a, in a country at the time that was unimpressive and under Roman domination? So let's read Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 together, shall we? I'll read out loud and you read silently. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7, and this is kind of an already not yet, this speaks to his second coming. And, on, and of the increase of his government and of the peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now there's a great deal taking place in this passage. It's speaking to the then and there. They're looking forward to our coming Messiah who will come. Uh, this Prince of Peace, this Everlasting Father, this Wonderful Counselor, this Mighty God. And they're looking forward to his first coming and to a second coming. Well, he will rule the world. You know, we sing this song, Joy to the World, the Lord has Come. And we think about that as a Christmas carol. That's a song about the second coming. It's not a song about Christmas, but it's okay, and we'll probably sing it over the next few weeks anyway. But what you see here in Isaiah 9-7 is what's going to happen when he returns after his crucifixion and resurrection. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the host will accomplish this, will do this. This speaks to the second coming, the passion, the zeal, the unstoppable sovereign grace the unstoppable determination of the Lord, Yahweh, will accomplish this. But we have verse 6, and we have these titles here. 
that describe who this child born, this son given to us is, describes his nature, his character, his reality, his identity. And let's look at the tail end of uh, Isaiah 9, 6 there. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's take the first title, Wonderful, Wonderful. It's a bit unusual. No one's ever called me wonderful. No one's ever called you wonderful, I hope. No, but I'm seriously, it's a bit unusual for a baby, a child, a, a little baby in a manger somewhere. In the original Hebrew, the word wonderful speaks to being incomprehensible. The English language, uh, you know, you look at some of the original languages like Hebrew and Greek, they are four-color, 4K, three-dimensional technicolor languages. In English, is sort of a black and white language. And, and the word wonderful here, uh, it doesn't capture the scope, the power, the grandeur of the original Hebrew. And in fact, this wonderful word shows up in another place, in an unusual place in the book of Judges, Judges 13, 17, and 18, where there's this visitation of the so-called angel of the Lord, and he appears to Samson's parents. Uh, they've been without child barren for years and years and years, and this angel says, you're going to bear a son. And they are thrilled and grateful at that. And so at first they think the angel is a man until he shows himself to be something else. And Manoah, the husband, being grateful, wants to thank this individual for this word from God. And so he asks him what his name is. And we read this in Judges 13, 17 to 18. And Manoah said to the angel, what is your name so that when your words come true, we may honor you? And the angel of the Lord, now this is a funny designation in the Old Testament. You'll read about an angel from the Lord, but there is a specific moniker, a specific designation when it says the angel of the Lord. That speaks of God in a physical body. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask my name? Seeing it is wonderful, seeing it is incomprehensible. This is what they call a Christophany, what Bible scholars refer to as a Christophany, an appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ in the Old Testament. And shortly after this discussion, this angel reveals himself to be more than a man. And Manoah, seeing him, he and his wife fall down. They're terrified, as you often read in the Bible when people stand before God. And Manoah says to his wife, we're going to die. Surely we're going to die because we have seen God face to face. And his wife, Manoah must have married up like I did, his wife says to him, look, if we were going to die, we'd be dead already. And so wonderful is his name, wonderful, incomprehensible. The child would be called incomprehensible. How so? Well, one commentator noted that when you look at Jesus' earthly public ministry, there are four aspects of it, five aspects of it, that really demonstrate his, if I can make up a new word, wonderfulness, incomprehensibleness. Now, first is Jesus demonstrated his wonderfulness in various ways on earth, beginning with his virgin birth, his, his conception in the womb of a virgin. We talk about that in Matthew 1.23. Second, he showed his wonderful 
that he was the wonderful one through his power to heal. We've talked about that before in John 9 when he healed the man born blind, the man blind from birth. He also showed he was, he, his wonderfulness in his amazing teaching, you know, in Mark 1.22 and also in the Sermon on the Mount, it says that the people were astonished at his teaching because he taught as one uh, with unique authority. Of course, the, a fourth wonderful aspect of his life was his perfect life. In Hebrews 4.15 and Hebrews 7 and 10, we're reminded that he paid the once and for all sacrifice, that he paid for sin once and for all, that we need never do any, we can't do anything to atone for our sin. All of our sin has already been atoned for, so there's no need for further sacrifice. And then fifthly, he showed his wonderfulness through his resurrection from the dead. We're all familiar with that. We celebrate that on Resurrection Sunday, which some call Easter Sunday. Wonderful, incomprehensible. Manoah could have never grasped who it was that stood before him and what was yet to come. Which brings us to our second title, and it's all in the title. The title is Give Away His Identity, Give Away His Nature, Give Away His Deity. The second word is Counselor. Counselor speaks to his ability to convey matchless wisdom. From age 12, when he astonished the teachers, the rabbis in the temple, when he asked them and answered their questions, to the Sermon on the Mount, to the Sermon on the Mount, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the people, we learn, stood there dumbfounded, awestruck, because they had never heard anybody teach like that before because he taught as one with authority. Even when they, the uh, Sanhedrin, the rabbis, the uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees sent people to arrest him in the temple, they came back empty-handed and they said to him, why didn't you arrest him? And they said, truly no man has ever spoken like that. They were astonished at his doctrine for he spoke as one with authority, not as their scribes. Which brings us to the third title, if the third title doesn't give it away, nothing will. Mighty God. Mighty God. Not to be glib, but that's a biggie. Mighty God. Who was that baby in the manger, that child born, that son given? Mighty God. Mighty God. Cults today like the Jehovah Witnesses like to say, well, wait, wait, wait. It doesn't say almighty God. But, you know, the Bible tells us not to quibble with people about words. Mighty God means mighty God. You don't have to be a Hebrew scholar or a Greek scholar to figure that out. Mighty God is God. The child is called God. The Savior, the child, the Son given unto us is called God. Now, maybe this is an isolated case. and Maybe I'm taking it out of context. Maybe I'm reading more into it than there really is. The trouble is all throughout the Bible... It says that Jesus is God. The Gospel of John, right? How many times have we studied the Gospel of John? And how many times have you heard me quote John 1, 1 through 3, and 14 as well? And let's look at that together. In the beginning was the Word. The Word is Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He is the creator. 
Look at that again. All things, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And then verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. And there was nothing made that Jesus didn't make. And Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is God, mighty God, son of God, God the Son, right? We are Trinitarian. We believe in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Here it is. And the word became flesh. Jesus took human form. That child in the manger, that is the incarnation, God incarnate. We also read in Colossians 1, 15 and 16 the same thing. He is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him, and look at that, for him. Mighty God, creator God. He is the in the beginning God of John 1, of Genesis 1, of Colossians 1 the God who created the heavens and the earth. And as the old song goes, when Mary touched his face, did she realize that she was touching the face of God? And then you look at this and say, well, maybe, are we sure? Could this be true? Could this little boy be mighty God? Look at the next title, the third title. The titles say it all. About the incarnation, the titles say it all. Title number four, Everlasting Father. It is co-located right next to Mighty God. The eternal God, the everlasting Father, is not a created being. Another gloss at the word everlasting in the Hebrew would come through as perpetual or eternal He's eternal. He's the God who said to Moses, I am who I am. Indeed, if you look at John 8, 58, John 8, 58, Jesus is talking to the Jewish leaders, and he, he says, before Abraham was, I am. He's doing a play on words with the great I am, Yahweh of the Old Testament. And in verse 59, understanding exactly who Jesus was claiming to be, we read that they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. This child born to us, this son given, is God who came to earth to save us, the word who became flesh, the everlasting, unchanging father. Let's look at Isaiah 9, 6 again. Consider the titles as they pile up. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be on his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. The titles do say it all. And that's what the angels said. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For unto you is born, for unto us is born, unto us the Son is given. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. That title, the Lord, is not a title that it was given to any man. Wonderful counselor, 
mighty God, everlasting Father. And fifth and finally, and this is biggie. This is a biggie too. He is the Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. The good news of great joy, which is for all people. He is the Savior born in the city of David to reconcile humanity. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.